This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It is always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Season is in the rearview mirror. It feels like they played 10 years ago as we're just a few days away from uh, the Browns losing to the Houston Texans as they embark on this weekend's play uh, to see what the Texans can do this weekend. Uh, as they get to move on and the Browns don't. He's Daryl. I'm Andy. Daryl, just um, just your thoughts on the Browns and the entire season as we're, you know, as we drift away from the season and drift forward into the next. We'll get into the details of what happened this week, but just your your overlying thoughts right now. Yeah, I mean, look, it, I, I think you can separate what happened in the regular season, which was a resounding success uh, considering all the adversity that they went through, and and. Whereas what happened in Houston was, well, the pretty much a failure. <laughs> you know, they got you know, run out of the building. Um, but the the fact that they were able to hold things together the way they did uh, throughout the year um, was great. It's not something that we're used to seeing here in Cleveland. Usually, uh, we're we're used to see you know hearing about excuses and and things like that. And th- th- this this team didn't make any excuses this year. They they found ways to win games, um, which was impressive. But uh, I, I, I think the wound is still raw for a lot of Browns fans and, and understandably so, because this was a team that at least I, I kind of feel stupid. I, I thought they had a chance to, to make a little bit of a playoff run here, win a game or two, or I don't know, just maybe something really stupid happens and they, you know, made the Super Bowl out of, out of nowhere. Right. Cause I just, mm. I'm convinced if they're ever going to get there, that that's that would be the circumstance similar to the the Cavaliers win in the 2016 NBA title where they did it in improbable historic fashion, right? Coming back from three, one down to be the, uh, the first and only team uh, to do that in the NBA finals. So I, I just kind of feel like that that's what, what it's going to be for the Browns. Like they're not going to do it from ahead, so to speak as the number one team. Like it, I just feel like it'll be, they'll be out of the middle of nowhere. And so I figured this, was the year, right? That that uh, potentially going to happen. Um, and, and then the defense picked the worst day to uh, really not show up. I mean, I, I hate using that phraseology, um, but they, they just, it was awful. Um, so, 
yeah, it's uh, it, it's still a little raw, and and now the change is being made uh, with uh, with the team, and uh, not on the side of the ball that was the the really big problem, uh, and that's the defense because there's really no need to. Jim Schwartz did a great job this past season, but um, it, it's just a shame that all that they had accomplished, right? has now gone by the wayside. And it just feels like that all of that effort and all of that energy that was expended just to get to the playoffs, it just feels like that that was all for naught. And that's, a, and I, and as I say that, I realize that's totally unfair and, and somewhat disrespectful to what they achieved, but it, it's hard not to feel that way because they were good enough to advance, but they were not good enough to do that last Saturday. So I, I keep looking back at the game and trying to figure out, you know, the, there's always a chance, you know, it's one and done in the playoffs and that's what it's all about. And, you know, I listen to everything you're saying, and I think you reflect the the fan base here in Northeast Ohio, without a doubt. I just wonder what happens if they lose on a game winning field goal? Do you still feel the same way? I think it's a, no. there's a sense of, they, I think there's a sense of embarrassment about the way the game went down that makes this thing feel a hundred times bigger then then maybe we would if they lost on a last second field goal or some kind of a crazy Hail Mary play at the end of the game if they would have lost that way. It's the way they lost. And I think, you know, I, I think it's natural to feel that way because everything's amplified with the playoffs. And it goes back to that your season is over if you don't have more points than the other team uh on a weekly basis. And um, you know, I wonder where the franchise is going uh moving forward. I, you know, there's a lot of good pieces there, but it's the I don't know, it's the depressing part of it is that I don't think there's a Browns fan out there that didn't think they had the talent going into this thing to not at least beat Houston. Yeah. I think if you lose to Baltimore this week, that fans could be like, you know what? Baltimore truly is the best team in the AFC. I'm still wondering what Baltimore's going to look like because they essentially haven't played in like three weeks. So I wonder what they're going to look like against Houston. And there's a part of me that's now rooting for Houston because we could end up coming back one day and go, you know, that Browns team that they had, they were pretty good, and they ran into the hottest team in the NFL. If for some reason C.J. Stroud can stay the way he is, and if they can knock off Baltimore this way uh, this week, I think it kind of eases the pain a little bit of losing, but it doesn't change the disappointment and knowing the talent that was on this team that wasn't able to put it together against Houston and losing in the fashion that they did. Yeah, I mean, it's the old adage, what? You want the bullet to the chest or the head, right? Right, yeah. right. Do you do you want a heartbreaking, going to be crying in your beer all off season type of a loss, or you just want to get blown out of the building right away? And <coughs> um, ne neither one sounds appealing to me. But I, I would I would say had they lost in heartbreaking fashion, it would have been easier to deal mm. with because that's the any given Sunday thing, right? Anything can happen right. on it. Whereas when it's a blowout and the game is over by the end of the, or actually midway through the third quarter after the second pick six there, like yeah, you're just numb, right? I, because there's, there's no chance um, to win and your fate is sealed before the game's even remotely close to, you know, hitting triple zeros uh, on the game clock. So yeah, I, I I don't know that there's any great way to lose, obviously, but um, yeah, I, I if I had to pick, I, I'd go with the the heartbreaking loss because then you could say woulda, coulda, shoulda. This you know you can kind of justify it. 
Or just, take that playback or blame that official, yeah, right? Like, yeah. I can't, I can't justify a twenty-four point playoff loss. You know, what I'm but, like there. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, and I, you know, and then the events of the week uh, that played out immediately after that. So l- let me, I'm going to ask you this question, uh, and wondering because I haven't heard you, I haven't heard you ask. I listened to you on the morning show on Friday, and I don't know if this question came up. Is there a world where Deshaun Watson and Joe Flacco can be on the roster at the same time? Yeah, probably fantasy land, but that's it. I just, I, I would love to see it happen. I'm rooting, uh, I'm rooting for it. Um, but look, Joe has earned the right if he wants to go play somewhere, even if it is for a a, re, a team that's rebooting and just needs a bridge quarterback to, you know, keep the seat warm for the young kid whenever that young kid's going to play and to teach that youngster the, the the ropes and things like that. Um. And if that's something he wants to do, he's earned that right. I, I think that he can still be helpful with the Browns, uh, you know, helping Deshaun Watson uh, behind the scenes, uh, being ready to go if something happens to Deshaun Watson, which unfortunately, as we've learned, these uh, these first two seasons of his five-year contract, that, yeah, they, they got to have a good, you know, quality plan B at quarterback because, unfortunately, Deshaun's been unavailable for 22 games. Like that, that's just the reality of the situation. So, and you know, I, I, I feel like when you haven't played a full season since what, 2020 um, and they've, by the way, added another game to the schedule since the last time you've played uh, a full 16 game schedule. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about the, the guy's durability and, and, and listen, concern is not hating on like, yeah, I, I don't think people understand that as well um yeah Darryl, you I, said the same thing and i got called some pretty nasty names on the radio today because i said essentially the same thing that look i i mean i don't care who you are that if you have an injury and they have to take a knife to your skin and do something yeah you're going to be susceptible to uh not being the same that you were before and i think that with every like you know what i'm not even as worried about deshaun watson as i am about nick chubb like I'm really yeah. concerned about Nick Chubb coming back next season and what he's now. Do I question his intestinal fortitude? Hell no, I don't. No. Same I think he's Sean. going to give it every. Yeah, both guys. Like they're going to give it everything they possibly can to play. But there is a reality to the fact that when you have surgery, it's a surgery. Like it's not something that you're like, oh, they went to the hospital and they taped an aspirin to it. They walked away and now everything's good. The rash is gone. It's surgery. Yeah. And you had to fix something that was naturally there. And it's, so, it's you know, major I, surgery too. This isn't yes. uh this isn't uh he, he had to get stitches type of a thing. Like Correct. he he the bone under the the under the rotator cuff in his throwing shoulder, the bone under that broke. That socket, that sleep, you know, whatever. I don't, I'm not a doctor, but that the, the neck the, bone is connected to the hip bone, right. isn't it? Somewhere, somehow, that, no. you know, that socket there the, that receives your, 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 that underneath it was broke and they had to surgically repair that. And look, there's, and we, we talked about this on the podcast that I, I loathe the Deshaun is cash and a paycheck people um, because that is to me, you're just dunking on a guy because you want to dunk on a guy mm-hmm. and you just don't know what you're talking about. Um, like 
there's no doubt he's working his tail off to get himself rehabbed and be back. My God, he played. He tried to come back from a uh, 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 rotator cuff strain um, too soon, and it didn't work, right? Um, and then he came back when he was ready, and then unfortunately he got hurt again, and his season was over. But like, I don't, I don't like the questioning player desire uh aura that's in media these days like if you want to question the results you want to question the availability yeah, but normally daryl hey, hey we'll talk more about this in a second normally that starts with a whisper though in the locker room like let's let's discuss how some of those things happen i also want to talk about the events of the week it's always game day in cleveland i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you will hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together i didn't want to do another stomp you out speech it opened so, up so many more doors the show is called the, the deal. deal listen to the deal listen to the deal on spotify when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I am Andy Baskin. Daryl, uh, do you want to read anything or should we just move on? Let's move on. Want to move on? Nope. Oh, he's sneezing and <laughs> nope. Um, <laughs> again, coughing, the, the water down the wrong pipe effect. Ooh. Oh, let me. What tell a great you. sound effect that is to come back to. Oh, <laughs> I, I uh, apologize, but um, <clears throat> there we go. All right, I think we're okay. Uh, happy anniversary, Ohio! It's the one-year anniversary of mobile sports betting being legal. Here in the state, BetQL wants to help you make the most informed bets possible. Get all of today's winners by heading to BetQL.com or download the BetQL app where you can claim your free three-day trial today. Head to BetQL.com slash news slash 923 the fan where you can get a bunch of great sportsbook offers. Okay, Daryl. Um, I'm going to go back to something you said about, you know, people questioning whether guys want to be out there or not. Yeah. So, I like, Daryl, I, I mean, I know – from my point of view or from even just any other journalist that I talked to, to that most times when you, especially when you're not in the locker room, that your opinion is going to be based on something that you've been told or heard. Right. And I, I wonder, Daryl. <laughs> so when you say this, let's go back to the last segment where you said about Deshaun Watson and people questioning his intestinal fortitude, right? That's the, well, where does it, well, I mean, Brady Quinn desire to play. Yeah. Right. Brady Quinn called him a trust fund baby. Like I, which, right. which by the way, coming from Brady Quinn's extremely rich, but anyway, I digress. Um, but like, I just, I, I think that if you're going to criticize a guy, you get, just like be fair about it, be factual about it. And, you know, I, I never like questioning players effort. I never like questioning a player's desire. Um, I, Cause I, I just think that that's unfair to, to players. So um, here's what I do think is fair praising someone's effort. Yeah. Cause that we can all see. Right. And and if somebody does maybe looks like they didn't hustle, 
I guess we can all see that too. Right. But I tend not I tend not to talk about that. I'd rather praise someone who's going above and beyond than someone who might not be doing what they're doing. Right. But here's the they thing. We, you also don't know the circumstances, right? Correct. Correct. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, you know, Miles Garrett played the stretch run with a shoulder injury that he suffered in Denver. Right. And I think he got one sack after that. And that was it down the stretch. Now, give he also it- only had one sack, though, after he criticized the officials, too. Right. Um, but my point is, like, the effort's there. He's trying. He's getting held and, you know, <laughs> double right. teamed and chipped and, and all those things. I'm not going to question Miles Garrett's effort sure. under no circumstances. Uh, I'll question the results and the fact that, we, well, you know, holds or no holds, you got one sack and, you know, other guys down the stretch were, you know, still able to to add to their sack totals. Um, but we my point is we don't know the extent of how bad that shoulder was. Okay. And that's obviously it's going to come up uh, in uh, uh, it's one of the issues I'm going to raise with Andrew Barry uh, when we visit with him uh, on Monday, because I, I think that that is important context. So yeah, if you want to criticize a player, but you, we oftentimes don't really know what these players are playing through. And a lot of these guys play with injuries that they don't get addressed until the offseason. I mean, my God, Joel Batonio suffered a high ankle sprain in the playoff game against Houston. By all rights, should not have come back. He still came back. They they gave him the good painkiller, whatever, and he still came back into the game, and he played the rest of the game on the high ankle sprain. Um, J.C. Treader has played with injuries. Uh, Joe Thomas, you know, uh, became legendary for the the litany of injuries that he uh, played through. So that's why I never like going down the, the player doesn't care. The player isn't trying tropes that get thrown out there. And I think that the media gets real cavalier with those uh, at some time at, at, in some instances. And I think this past season, Deshaun Watson was a victim of that unfairly. Um, because he was trying to get back as soon as possible from uh, the shoulder injury, the first shoulder injury. Um, so just, like I said, you want to rip a guy because you just feel like ripping the guy because you don't like him, That that's on you, and you you have to be responsible for what you say. But um, I, I'm not going to question Deshaun's effort and his desire to get back, you know, and, and attack this rehab. Kevin Stefanski told us uh, during the week that, he, he feels that Deshaun is ahead of schedule just because of how uh, he has attacked the rehab, and he anticipates that he, he'll finish ahead of the regular timeline for that. Um, but, you know, everything that they're going to do this offseason, Andy, is all about Deshaun Watson. And they started that with the change at offensive coordinator with Alex Van Pelt uh, and, and the team parting ways. And um, that is not a sign of dysfunction. That's not a sign of, you know, the Browns are back to being the Browns and, and things like that. Look, AVP did a good job here for four years, but maybe there's just nothing else for them. Kevin Stefanski and AVP really to collaborate on. Right. I mean, my God, they, they work with nine different quarterbacks. They, they, every style known to man. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, sometimes change can be good to give you a, a, a fresh sense of, 
things, right? And a fresh right. perspective. I mean, my, my interest is, well, who's going to call plays? Kevin Stefanski is really good at calling plays, in my opinion. Um, he's not perfect. There's no perfect play calling. And, so, yeah, yeah. And, this is know, a good place to transition, Daryl, because what you're saying, and that gets us into the news of the week, too, that, you know, Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator, uh, was let go this week. And Stump Mitchell, the running back coach, was also let go. And just that was just McCarthy's two. gone, too. Yeah, the tight ends coach, too. So I, I just – yeah. so all three of those things, were like, why did that happen, Daryl? Why? Well, I, I think a big part of it is, again, just, you know, trying to shake up what they're doing. The, the the run game stalled when Nick Chubb went out, and understandably so. I mean, you know, Nick Chubb, to me, is a once-in-a-generation Is that really player. on the coach? The well, running game stalling, is that on the running backs, coach? Well, but here's the thing. You you have a young player in Jerome Ford. Let, let's be honest about it. Even though he scored a lot of touchdowns, I mean, he was averaging around four yards a carry. And there were a lot of those carries where it was really a, a struggle to get much out of those carries. And he would make up for that with those 10, 15, 20, 25-yard bursts that we would see, right? And so that makes that four yards per carry average look a lot better. And if I channel my inner Butch Davis here, well, you know, if we take away those big runs, then the average obviously decreases significantly. So, you know, look, Kevin Stefanski knows better than you, me, or fans or anyone else. If he's watching the film and he's the one that knows the assignments, he knows what the players are supposed to be doing on a given play, where it's a, the offensive line and the blocking scheme or, you know, what gap that running back was supposed to hit. And, you know, if it's pass coming out of the backfield, what you know where that running back is supposed to be the timing of that and things like that you know we don't know those little intimate details that that go in to the game plan and then ultimately the post game tape evaluation with that so um you know it's very well possible that there were some inherent issues with the, the run game that Kevin Stefanski wasn't happy with i mean TC McCartney's the biggest one that puzzles me because David Njoku is had the best season he's ever yeah you know, but here's the thing Harrison Bryant, we haven't seen a lot of growth from him in recent years, right? Uh, and, and other players at that particular position. So, um, you know, a lot goes into these decisions, but, you know, they'll go ahead and, you know, replace these guys. They'll get a new offensive coordinator. We'll see what type of coordinator we're going to get. Is it Alex Van Pelt 2.0 where Kevin is – Wait, are, but are we getting plays? a play caller? Like, I, just yeah. even to, to change this whole thing, are we getting someone in there that's going to start calling plays? We're, we're not getting Bill O'Brien. He's uh, – No. He's in Columbus. That's there why I'm wearing. Go. That's why I'm wearing my Ohio State sweatshirt today. Is if I, you are watching I, on YouTube, yes. Uh, if you're I'm, not I'm, watching on YouTube, he's wearing an Ohio State sweatshirt. Yes. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating uh, that Ryan Day is no longer calling plays for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, <laughs> I wish he wasn't coaching yet, the team, but that's a different discussion. Anyway, yeah. So, Urban Meyer thought he was good enough to call plays. Yeah, I know. Um, it's a little different though when you're having the multitask there. I don't know that Ryan Day is a good multitasker, Andy. <laughs> Uh, we do know he's not good at beating Michigan and he's not good at winning college football playoff games. Anyway. So this isn't, this is not the sons of the shoe podcast. This is, it's always game day in Cleveland. If you're going to bring it up, hang on though, because we had a great conversation about this and we're going to spend 30 seconds on it. Right. So not only did Ohio state upgrade at offensive coordinator, because I think bringing in Bill O'Brien was a great idea. And, you know, I think it was Doug Lay Maurice that was on your show this morning. Right. That said, Ohio state can't be a proving ground. Well, it's his podcast. We were using clips. Oh, it was off his podcast. podcast. Okay, okay. The, so, the podcast. Okay, so he said that. I thought that was a, a, a brilliant thing to say because it's true. The bar is so high at Ohio State that you're not bringing someone in 
who can learn on the job. And maybe that's where Brian Hartline was. Amazing recruiter, right. but maybe still needed to figure out a little bit more about calling plays. But uh, one of the callers brought this up, and I thought this was an excellent point, that being a head coach is just not only being running the offense, being in charge of the defense, and making sure special teams is going right, but now you've got this fourth level to being a head coach, and that's NIL. Yeah. And so what Ohio State needs is someone that can manage all four. And I, I think they're putting themselves in a position to have someone that can oversee everything. And look, if he needs to overrun or come up with a, a better decision than Jim O'Brien is on offense, you better believe Ryan Day is going to say, I want to pass here. I want to run. And right. it's going to overrule you know, O'Brien. I just O'Brien just has so much experience. I think Ohio State's in a good spot on offense and defense. And hopefully you've got a head coach that can oversee everything on that yeah, okay and, and now we'll finish see, your bronze point sorry and, and we'll see if kevin stefanski takes that right that path when he hires the offensive coordinator look if, he, if they hire a, a a position coach then we know that that's not what they're doing right you're not, you're not hiring a position coach as an offensive coordinator so they can come in and call plays that just, that's I, I gotta just be honest fun. i wouldn't want to be an offensive coordinator that doesn't call plays why yeah. would you even want, I mean, I understand it's a great opportunity to be in that spot. Let's come back, Daryl. We'll talk more about this, and we're going to hop into the NFL playoffs for this weekend. We'll give you our predictions. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for listening to us on the Odyssey app. And of course, we love the fact that. Um, we love the fact that you're watching us on YouTube because we've seen how many people appreciate it and are watching it and are downloading it. And we can't say enough good things about you for uh, making us a part of your life on, on uh, YouTube as well. All right, Daryl, you want to hop into this weekend or any other news you want to talk about from the week? Um, well, I mean, we can wrap up our OC conversation. Cause I, I, I look, I, I think that that's a major component of this whole situation. You know, Kevin Stefanski is in a position where he's probably getting a contract extension. He should get a contract extension this offseason. You know, does he want to give that up? Um, when uh, Ken Carmen and Anthony Lima had uh, Stefanski on the morning show last January, uh, mm. Stefanski uh, had mentioned, you know, hey, it is really exhausting calling plays. Like you have, you're making all these split second decisions and you don't have a lot of time to do it. By the time you're done with the game, you're spent, whatever. So does is the next evolution for Kevin Stefanski becoming the CEO head coach, right? Where right. you delegate, okay? Yeah, if I don't like something, I'm going to jump in and overrule you, but you know, you're going to handle the, the the play calling on a game day thing. And and I got to be honest with you Andy, part of me no, I I want Kevin to call the plays. Because I I've seen Kevin call plays for 4 years and I think it's one of the best things he does. Um, I, I really do. He, he does a lot of other things. Good. Um, I, I really respect and appreciate how open to change he is. Like he's not stuck in his ways that it's my way or the highway. And this is how we do things. And that's it. And he he's very open-minded and that's part and parcel to this whole decision. 
you know, to, uh, to, to make a change with, uh, uh, some of these spots on the coaching staff. So, um, I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. And, and again, if it's a position coach, it tells me Kevin's retaining play calling duties. If it's not, if it is a, a, a proven former head coach or former offensive coordinator, then that signals to me, Kevin's going to give that up and become a CEO uh, type of coach. And there's nothing wrong with that as well. But I just feel like Kevin's really good at calling plays. And what he needs is someone to, to assist him with thought processes, you know, creativity, drawing things up, coming up with game plans and, and things like that, um, which is kind of what Alex Van Pelt did for him. Uh, and again, I feel like Alex did uh, a really good job. So, but this is all about Deshaun. To me, the the, the candidates. If you gave it, it to me, it's the Deshaun. It's the Sean McVay thing, right? You know the the Sean McVay jokes. If you were a water boy for Sean McVay, congratulations, you're a candidate now to become an NFL head coach. Right. So my thing is, if you ever gave Deshaun Watson water at practice, congratulations, you are now a candidate to become his offensive coordinator here in Cleveland. Bobby just, Boucher, there's a chance. I just, I because I, I just, I feel like that it's so important that they bring someone in that can really help Deshaun get to get back to the level he was, if not even get to a higher level. And I do feel like that that's part of the driving force behind uh, this move as well. So um, that's that's what needs to to happen though, because they've got so much invested in Deshaun. They they need this guy to return to the player he was with the Texans desperately. Like, uh, I, you know, Joe Flacco ha- has one fewer touchdown pass in five games than Deshaun Watson has in 12 games. Right. That, that, that That's concerning to me. I'm sorry. Uh, we've seen streaks of brilliance from Deshaun. The Tennessee game, he was fantastic. He would have thrown for 300 yards if he didn't get the last couple series off. Uh, or, you know... Uh, Amari Cooper wasn't called out of bounds on a catch when he shouldn't have been called out of bounds on the catch, right? Um, right. You know, I, the Baltimore game where he was just banged up, right? The ankle, the shoulder, he was just a mess. But 13 for 13 in the second half, Browns rally back uh, from double digits down and beats Baltimore at the gun, uh, 33-31. Like, so we've seen glimpses of greatness from Deshaun, but that's not what we need to see from him. We need to see a consistent level of greatness from Deshaun and pre Browns. is what Yeah. We need I, to see. I mean, it, and I understand people say well, that might sound unfair. No, not for $46 million a year. It's not unfair. Like they brought him in to be an MVP caliber top tier quarterback that this franchise has been looking for, for decades. That That's why they, Gave up six draft picks. That's why they fully guaranteed his contract. So getting 12 games out of him, getting rust, and then unfortunately having to deal with the injury stuff this year, like I, 2024 is a big year to start seeing return on that investment because you're right in the middle of that contract. And if it doesn't work in 2024, Andy, I don't want to think about what the worst case scenario then becomes because then they have to start planning for post Deshaun. You can't give right. a contract extension. At some point, you're going to have to swallow the the salary cap hit and whatever. But they're all in this year. They're most likely going to be all in again in 2025 with this particular core. 
But by then we'll have the referendum on Deshaun and, you know, potentially then might have to go through a painful rebuilding process after that, unless Deshaun returns to the player we've seen in Houston. So again, I realized like I'm coming off as being tough or a hater or whatever. That's not my intent. I'm just trying to explain to people the reality of the situation that the Browns are in this off season. Like they, they have got to get him back to that superstar caliber player because what we saw from Joe Flacco was fun to watch. That was exciting football. By the way, that's what modern NFL offense looks like. And that's what we need to see from Deshaun Watson for 17 games and then the playoffs going forward. So um, to me, Joe Flacco has set the standard. Uh, to me, he's kind of made Deshaun look a little bad, right? Mm -hmm. um, in, in some respects. Uh, so that that's just where the bar is now. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, it's, it's about making the playoffs. It's about winning playoff games going forward, trying to win a division, you know, competing for that. Um, they haven't done that since 1989. So the bar has been raised. We are past popping victory beers and, and opening refrigerators. We, we, we are at that. The, the, it's winning time. And you have a coach right now who's the winningest, most successful coach this franchise has had since Marty Schottenheimer and you have people in this town that still want to ride the guy on a rail out of town. And sure. I don't understand it. I, I just, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't make sense to me. He's, he made two critical changes last off season, defensive coordinator, special teams worked out beautifully. So let's have some faith that the changes while surprising, right. Caught us off guard right. while they're surprising. Let's, let's have some faith. <laughs> Kevin knows what the hell he's doing and give him the benefit of the doubt to go ahead and bring in some fresh voices to, you know, get Deshaun, back to that superstar level. Yeah, with three new coordinators in the last, what, 14 months, there's no more excuses at the end of this thing. Nope. All right, Daryl, let's go through some of the games over yeah. the weekend. We've got four games left. Let's spend about 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah, sure, okay. Uh, we got All right, so let, Houston, Packers, I got 49ers. Packers 49ers. You want to start with that one? I yeah. love the fact that the Packers are there. They figured out a way to uh, take care of Dallas last week. I don't see them beating the 49ers, but, man, it's a fun story, and I'd like to see them to continue on. Thoughts? Uh, I'm going San Francisco over Green Bay. Uh, my actually, my my uh, my picks are all chalk. I, I don't I don't see an upset this weekend. I really don't. Well, the the other part about that, and we had a good conversation um, uh, with Nick, our uh, Odyssey betting sports insider, <laughs> that you should look for Green Bay to take the ball first. Yeah, and then you're going to have to have San Francisco chase them rather than the traditional. Now, let's say I want the ball in the second half. By so the you way, can try to get the ball twice. Joe Flacco took you take the ball first with him and you you got seven nothing leads in five of his six starts. Like again, these are things that we're not used to seeing. This is the excitement that that guy brought. So need right. that from Deshaun. Okay, uh right. let's go uh uh that's the second game on Saturday. The right. first game is in the AFC and that of course is the Houston Texans and Baltimore Ravens under no circumstances are we rooting for Baltimore, correct? Correct. But there's the reality that Baltimore is really really good. So there are two things that I think you can look for in this game. One, I'm wondering what Baltimore is going to look like right out of the gate. And I selfishly, I want Houston to win because it's going to make me flatten out the Browns loss a little bit more. And it'll make me feel a little bit better that maybe, hey, the Browns lost to the best team or the hottest team in the NFL other than Buffalo to see what they're going to do this week. But that they were able to, um, you know, 
the if the Browns did lose, they lost to an worthy opponent that was able to knock off the number one seed. I I, I don't think Houston's going to be able to, but man, watching CJ Stroud is a lot of fun. Maybe we'll get to see him at work for two halves instead of one this time. Yeah, the first game on Sunday, I'm really conflicted about this. Um, Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Detroit taking on the Lions, and uh, I'm I'm obviously. I'm rooting for the Lions. They, they, they've they just been through so much pain. I would love nothing more than to see the Lions in a Super Bowl at some point here. Um, but I, I am going to take the Lions at home over Baker and the Bucks. I mean, I, I, that, that game the other night at Ford Field, you know, Stafford v. Goff, th- that atmosphere, just watching it on TV, seemed like it just was bananas like it just it was just so incredible. it's what you would see here yes right it's because their fan base is very close to our I mean, we're the same yeah. buffalo too all of us except for the jumping into the pit thing in baltimore and buffalo which is mind-blowing to me but what? um again i'm not rooting against baker mayfield if baker mayfield wins i'm not rooting against him yeah. i'm rooting for the detroit story because i want the lions to win just because we understand their pain and misery i just don't want to be up on the board that says Look at all these teams that haven't done this, and then we're the only team left. So I don't want to be that team. So basically, you know if the if the Texans and Jaguars and the Lions get to the Super Bowl, we're going to be very unhappy people. At least we know we're not going to be alone. And at least I, one of those teams won't be there. <laughs> right. Uh, and then the the uh, to wrap up the weekend. Uh, to me, I think uh, this has the potential to be the best game of the weekend: Kansas City at Buffalo. Um, I uh did we do Green Bay in San Francisco? Yeah, we did. That was I okay, okay. I, I goofed. Tampa, Detroit, uh, I, Houston, yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, you're right. Kansas City and Buffalo. Okay, so your thoughts. I on am that. uh I think Kansas City goes into Buffalo and wins that game. Uh, but I can't wait for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, another installment of that. Um I would like to see a Bills Lions Super Bowl, though. So I'm I my brain has taken the Chiefs, but I guess my rooting interest, I want to see the Bills win. Um, I think Kansas City is going to win this game. I think Buffalo's really banged up on defense, and they were taken down with injuries last weekend. Buffalo could be in some real trouble in this game, and uh, we'll see. And I'm rooting for uh, – do you think we'll have an engagement after the game? Travis getting engaged? N- not after the game. Taylor and Travis after the game? Yeah, I, I, by the you, way, uh, did you see this? Apparently we've been saying Kelsey wrong. No, there's two different ways to say it. I've asked, I asked Ed this on the air. Okay. I have a clip. You could say Kels, but both of the, the boys have said everyone says Kelsey, so it's okay. It's not a big deal. Okay. They but, don't care. But they don't care. I, I know they don't care, but I, I'm the journalist in me. What is the accurate pronunciation? They will tell you it's either way. That's the last thing. Okay. Cause when Ed was on the air with us last year, okay. I, I said, Can you just correct this? Is it Kels or Kelsey? And he goes, traditionally historically throughout their you know the lineage, lineage. of that name it's been kind of kels but they, everyone so many people call them kelsey over it's like cleveland right how do you spell cleveland what's the well, right way to spell it, you, the, the, it used to be spelled c-l-e-a that's right but since the newspaper screwed up what what people ended up doing made it reality well that's what the, a shocker the, media what, screwed up that's the legend do we know that that's actually true yeah, because Moses Cleveland's statue down there in the flats is spelled wrong. Okay, I'm just, I'm just asking. So, okay, so there is no controversy. There is, is no Travis controversy. Kelsey. So no, Jim Nance can... and every other broadcaster in history 
has been making the same mistake that I have. That's good to know. It's not a mistake. Those guys will tell you it's not a mistake. Don't worry about it. Daryl, thank you. You did a good job on the morning show on Friday, too, by the way. Appreciate it. Um, a Meredith Kane, our outstanding producer, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Back with more podcasts in the near future.